Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. If people think the country is on the wrong track and are upset, it's usually really bad news for the party in power. The Democrats have a very difficult challenge on their hands when it comes to the midterm. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. I think there's a lot of pent-up demand for electing a woman, and I think 2022 could be the year of the woman. I see the demand that we have today as the baseline for the future. It means our economy is roaring back. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So you want the good news or the bad news first? Welcome to Friday. I'll give you the good news. How about it? The government will not be shutting down tonight. The bad news, Congress will still need to figure out how to fund the government. Once we get in the middle of February, we're going to do this all over again. And as lawmakers kick the can on that issue, the debt ceiling is looming And the president's economic agenda is caught up in the Senate. We'll talk about how to untangle all of this in a moment with Congressman Don Beyer, Democrat from Virginia, chairs the Joint Economic Committee, also serves on House Ways and Means, so he is central to this conversation. And later we'll be joined by Maya McGinnis, president of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, has been consulting with lawmakers on all of this. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh tells Bloomberg today he loves his job in Washington. We'll talk with Tom Maroney and Joe Shortsleeve in our Boston Bureau about whether Marty Walsh will end up running for governor of Massachusetts now that Charlie Baker is out. And we'll have analysis this hour from Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis. So here we go on the fastest hour in politics. So at least we're not doing a countdown to a shutdown kind of show here. The Senate, as you've been hearing on Bloomberg, did pass a continuing resolution we talked about last couple of days to fund the government through the middle of February. Nineteen Republicans voting in favor. But the to-do list for Democrats is a long one as we head for year end. And we're joined to talk about it by Congressman Don Beyer, as I mentioned, Democrat from Virginia, who's not only on House Ways and Means, but he's chair of the Joint Economic Committee. What a job right now. Congressman, welcome back. It's great to have you on a Friday night here. Is solving the debt ceiling now the the most pressing issue facing the Capitol? Yes, it is, Joe. And I was thrilled that we got the government open until February 18th, that we're not going to be back here on Christmas Eve <laughs> or New Year's Eve and doing it. Yeah. Um, but we do, you know, it looks like, according to Secretary Yellen, we have till maybe the 15th of December to get that debt ceiling increased. You know, it's easy to do in the House because we have a, a very small majority. Right. Um, the Senate, as long as Mitch McConnell doesn't want to go along with it, doesn't give Chuck Schumer much opportunity other than 
call McConnell's bluff or use reconciliation. And I suspect we end up using the reconciliation tool to do it. How about that? This boy, this is getting to be a, a recurring scenario here. And we keep hearing, though, Congressman, that that Mitch McConnell's talking to Chuck Schumer, that they're that maybe they're working on a deal. Do you not believe that? Well, that would be good. I mean, no one wants the the, the federal government to default on its debts. Of course. When Donald Trump was president, three times we raised or suspended the debt ceiling, and we pretty much did it unanimously. You know, one mm-hmm. or two people would vote no. Um, it's it's the debt ceiling has become a sort of pernicious political tool, which doesn't help either party. Well, certainly making the job difficult. You're supposed to be working on this reconciliation bill, the Build Back Better plan, uh, and and maybe get a vote on this, maybe get the whole thing done by Christmas, at least is what we've been hearing by uh, from Senator uh, Chuck Schumer. But my goodness, if there's a threat of a default, it's pretty hard to get to the other work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We need to get that out of the way. And it'd be great to get the Build Back Better deal done. You know, we passed it in the House, and it was... The, you know, the most important vote I've ever had. But now it's up to the Senate parliamentarian and Joe Manchin to see you know, what actually emerges from what we send to the president. Senator Kirsten Cinema says not till after Christmas, which to me says at some point. Uh, Joe Manchin, to your yeah. point, didn't like the timeline. I just wonder, you know, you're right in the middle of this in the Joint Economic Committee. You're, you're able to touch both sides of Congress in a way that few lawmakers can. And I wonder what your expectation is if, if there actually is an endgame here. Well, I, I want Senator Schumer to be right, you know, that we can get it before Christmas on the 24th. Um, but even if it's January or February, it's so consequential. You know, the biggest investment in children, in, in um, health care, driving down the cost of, of almost uh, all of our supply chain stuff. Um, you know, whenever it comes, it's going to be very welcome. And hopefully the kind of thing that sets us up for much greater economic growth for the next 10 years. You mentioned the parliamentarian, uh, the old birdbath, as uh, as they like to call it next door in the Senate. I just wonder, you know, once once the Joe Manchins and Kirsten Cinemas are done, once, I guess, Republicans are done, what's this thing going to look like? How different will it be? And what kind of changes will be made when it comes back to the House? Uh, you know, I'm optimistic, Joe. You know, we, you know, it started off at three and a half trillion dollars. But the bill that we passed and sent to the Senate was only $1.7 trillion. so maybe half what the expectation was, and, and actually less than what Joe Manson said he would accept. Mm. So the, the fight seemed to be over whether we should, be the, we should finally join the ranks of every other developed country in the world and have paid maternity leave. Um, could you it pass the House without like, it? No, I know it the House with it. And it's one of could it pass the House without it if it came back? I know that's oh, been a point of contention oh, in the Senate. Good question. Um, yes, I think it could. Um, it would be a lot of unhappy people, but, yeah. you know, you. Uh, I spent most of my adult life in business, and you don't go broke taking a profit. You know, it's it's still a move in the right direction. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Exactly right. I'm surprised we're not hearing politics that line Politics is the art of the possible, right? There you go. We can keep going on this. Yeah. Uh, paid yeah, leave yeah. was one, right? The expanded uh, uh, child tax credit. But also this Medicare issue, my goodness. I know Bernie Sanders is not happy about it, uh, and it invokes SALT now, right? There, Bernie Sanders wants to generate revenue from SALT to expand Medicare, but we don't even know what happens to SALT, Congressman. This is a big deal for you on Ways and Means. I'm sure you'd like to see it come back in the similar form you sent it over. Yeah, although you know, Senator Sanders has a point that w- with the SALT relief, I think it was essential that we took care of uh, middle-income Americans, 
you know, the, the, the teachers, the firefighters, the police officers, the, yeah. the middle managers who are getting killed by the SALT limitation. But what, but the, unfortunately, when we raised the cap to $800,000, you helped an awful lot of people that were upper, upper income. Um, so there, there's a middle ground there. And if it helps pay for some of the Medicare expansion or perhaps even more importantly, drop the premiums for the Affordable Care Act, just make a for, medical insurance more affordable for every American, that'd be a good thing. You seem pretty open-minded about whatever the final product is here. Uh, Congressman, do you think it's in this calendar year or we do we likely bleed into 22? If I had to bet, Joe, I'd say 2022. But yeah. um, but. Yeah, I'll be delighted if it, if we get it done by sure. here and now. Although, with all that Chuck Schumer has on his plate, that's a big leap. Congressman Don Beyer with us on Sound On. People who do not live in the Washington area may not know that you were a longtime business owner uh, before entering public service. There's a, there's a huge network of car dealerships with your name on them around here throughout Northern Virginia. So I want to ask yeah. you about today's jobs report, Congressman. You have hired a lot of people in your life, and you have a sense of these trends We had this soft headline number, but pretty good news under the hood in this report. President Biden talked about it today at the White House. I'd like to listen quickly to what he said and then get your reaction. Here's the president earlier today. Sure. Our economy is markedly stronger than it was a year ago. And today, the incredible news that our unemployment rate has fallen to 4.2%. At this point in the year, we're looking at the sharpest one-year decline in unemployment ever. Simply put, America, America is back to work, and our jobs recovery is going very strong. But payrolls, of course, fell well short of expectations, and a lot of employers, congressmen, are saying they still can't find people to fill the jobs they have open. When are people coming back to work? Well, the, the good news, Joe, is we did get an uptick in the, the labor participation rate, the highest it's been since April 2020. So we're slowly moving in the right direction, but there's still a lot of people on the sidelines. I was thrilled. You know, if you take the numbers apart, like the unemployment rate for black women fell from 7% to 5% in one yeah. month. Um, really, those without a high school diploma dropped from 7.4 to 5.7. So some of the tougher to get to are, are doing pretty well. Um, and, How you much know, of this has to do with COVID? years to get get back to 4.2 instead of that's well, right it did. a lot and and, and uh, omicron's not helping us um but as kids get back in school um as daycare becomes affordable and if we can just get through these blasted variants which may mean vaccinating the rest of the world mm-hmm. um so that we can just finally feel like we can go back to work we can take off the mask we're going to be safe that'll be it but a big, big booster help. get your booster yep. yet not, well i got the booster yet. My, i got my booster yep I can't find an appointment, my, Congressman. I hope that that changes at some point soon, my goodness. But uh, but I'll meet you, hopefully, somewhere in person without a mask when we get this figured out. Congressman Don okay, Byer, okay. it's great to have Thank you. you thanks, for, uh, thanks for giving us a shout from the other side of the river here in the nation's capital. Congressman from Virginia's 8th Congressional District with us on Bloomberg. It was a confusing report today. Did you hear this when it came out? That was some of the best radio, some of the best television I've come across here on Bloomberg. My goodness, listening to the instant analysis, Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrell, Lisa Abramowitz, Michael McKee, trying to make sense of this report at 8.30 this morning. Danny Dayan, I thought, had the line. Because like I said, you know, it was conflicting. We had the weaker than expected top, but some strong internals. Danny Dayan, chief investment officer at DWD Partners, called it 
quote, one of the weirdest reports I have ever seen, unquote. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? This is a concept that people flunk in Econ 101. The uh, change in non-farm payrolls comes in only half the level we anticipated. Just look at the yield curve now. This bid snaps into the belly of the curve. You just said the labor force went up, but non-farm payrolls disappointed. Isn't this, in the Fed's eyes, a very good report? It seems to be a very good report. I'm looking now to try to figure out where the holes in the report are. Most of our listeners and viewers are saying, huh? Uh, I'd say we have a strong, strong, strong market moving forward. Obviously, we have job openings that we have to work on. I, we still have people out of work. How yeah. is that? Well, uh, that's why you guys are going to have uh, some semi-professional economists on later on the show to explain it, because I can't explain it off the top of my head yet. We're still dealing with the coronavirus. We're looking at the new variant now to see what impacts that'll have. But overall, I, I, we feel good. I feel good about where we're going as an economy here. This is Bloomberg. This. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The Friday edition of Sound On brought to you by SEI. Visionary asset managers find opportunity where others are challenged. Exploit disruptions potential with SEI's global operating platform. Find out how at SEIC.com slash IMS. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Glad you're here. So it was jobs day. It's a big deal every month, obviously, on Bloomberg. But that's not why we're about to talk about Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. Now, we're wondering about his his future career plans following reports this week that Walsh may be considering a run for governor of Massachusetts. We heard about this after Charlie Baker announced that he's not running for re-election. Not the first time this has come up. But after what he said this morning on Bloomberg, I'm not sure. Jonathan Farrow asked the Labor Secretary as they were talking about the jobs report that we just discussed with Congressman Beyer. It was just, it was, you know, he really slid this in there. Farrow asking Marty Walsh, listen to this, if he still had work to complete at the Labor Department, here's the Labor Secretary. We have a lot of work to do here at the Department of Labor. The reason I asked, sir, it's not a personal attack. There was just some news this week that maybe you might be interested in the seat that Charlie Baker might leave empty in the coming year. Uh, do you want to respond to that? Right that? Over, do you, you want to respond to that, that, sir? You put that right over my head. I wasn't even paying attention. Uh, as I said, I have a lot of work to do here at the Department of Labor. Politico <laughs> says you're weighing the run. 
Is that true or false? Well, listen, the, the governor and myself have a great relationship. We, you know, we were partners for seven, six years in Boston. He, I was uh, one year with Governor Patrick. Uh, we did a lot of work. We, we, what, we started the pandemic together. Uh, we got the city of Boston, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, at least through the beginning days of the pandemic. Uh, and, and for the last week, I've been, I've been out in L.A., Long Beach, uh, all over the country, here in Washington today. So I'll leave it at that. Should I take a signal from your refusal to answer that direct <laughs> question? <laughs> There's no signal. I love my job here. I love my job here. I don't think I ever heard Marty Wallace laugh that much. So, is he running? We're joined by a couple of guys in the know, good friends of ours here on Sound On, from the Boston Bureau. These are the big shots. Joe Shortsleeve and Tom Maroney, hosts of Bloomberg Bay State Business, are with us. The program that airs 2 to 5 p.m. every day on 106.1 Boston, Newburyport, 92.9 HD2. Joe, Tom, welcome. It's great to have you. On the broadcast today, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, sure, what do you? Both of you guys are friends with Marty Walsh. Tom, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with the obvious question, could you see him running for governor? I could. And it, it, as the idea kind of percolated through my mind after uh, these rumors started swirling, it, it became more apparent that maybe he could. Maura Healy is the attorney general, yep. and she is uh, she's in a great position. She ra- raised more than three million dollars. She won't say she was on Bloomberg Air this week with David West, and she wouldn't answer the question. She wouldn't even go near it. Go near it. So, and everybody thinks, yeah, she's gonna she's gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty has said at least one report says that Marty is waiting to see what more Healy does because they're good friends. But mm-hmm. when you think about this, Joe, uh, Marty is in a sense the moderate alternative. He's not unlike a Charlie Baker type that would show up in this race. Because the Democrats are going to feel, at least we see so far, and Joe Shortsleeve can, can confirm this for us, that uh, there'll be a lot of liberals, progressives, itching for this job. And then there's Jeff Deal on the Republican side, who was uh, Donald Trump's chairman in his first right. re-election, in his first election effort. So Marty could be that, that spice that's missing right now. Is the Maura Healy uh, idea that, you know, kind of waiting on Maura, the conventional wisdom here, something that you buy, Joe Shortsleeve, or... Are there others uh, correct who say, you know what, he just got here. He hasn't even done a year yet uh, for the president, and he is serving at the pleasure of the president. Yeah, well, here's one very interesting data point as it relates to Marty Walsh. He's got $5 million in a campaign account. Okay, so, uh, you know, and then you wonder about Marty and and the whole Washington, D.C. match, you know, born and raised here here in Boston. You know, the mayor, he he ran the show. uh, He was the guy. And now you're part of this whole, you know, this bureaucracy dynamic in Washington, D.C. And you you have to say, okay, you know, don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful job. You know, he's secretary of labor for the United States. But. You know, I wonder, you know, if Marty kind of misses Doughboy Donuts, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I thought that's why you he know? came home every weekend. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt you know, about I, that, by the way. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think well, he, I think there's a possibility, you know, probably in the okay. next six weeks or so that we could learn more. Let, let so me you just guys are open what, to this. Yeah. It sounds like Tom. How does a Boston boy, though, play in Worcester? Shrewsbury, yeah, that's where a Charlie Baker's question. people are. You know, the, the prototype for me is Bill Galvin, Secretary of State for a long, long time. He at one point decided he wanted to be governor. So they did internal polling, and they said, Bill, hmm. you do not travel well outside of Boston, <laughs> greater Boston. Yeah. And I think you could hang that around Marty. Uh, 
but you know, I don't know. I mean, the, the, to the question you raised, Joe, imply anyway that Biden uh, doesn't, you know, you don't decide when to leave Biden, right. the administration. He tells you when. There's great yeah. affection between Marty and Biden. And I think but if the declared can if the declared candidates at this point, who does play well in Worcester, Tom and Joe? I, I, I'll ask huh. the question. I mean, yeah, uh, that's Dan, a you know, great Daniel question. Allen well, and, I don't know. How about uh, Jeff Deal Sonia for an Ch- answer? Well, he was on our program yesterday. He, um, yeah. You know, he's he's familiar with these these statewide runs. He lost badly uh, to Elizabeth Warren in 2018, lost by some 24 percentage points. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a real uh, Trump supporter, and that That's doesn't right. sell well here in Massachusetts. Well, his best area is outside of Boston. Jeff Are you with uh, Joe Shortsleeve, Tom, in 30 seconds left here? Six weeks, we find out in the next six? About Marty? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't mess around. He'll tell us. And these are the two men we'll talk to when it happens. Tom Maroney, Joe Schwartzleave, the hosts of Bloomberg Bay State Business from our great station in Boston. I can't wait to find out. Stay with us. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. Headline on the terminal, shutdown avoided ahead of deadline. How about it? The Senate passed the stopgap to keep things running into February. Not that they negotiated a real budget, to be clear. We're going to discuss that next with Maya McGinnis, president of the Committee for a Responsible Budget. There will be no government shutdown this weekend, at least there's that. After the Senate passed a stopgap bill to fund operations into February, they kicked the can again. And it reminds us the last time Congress passed all of its spending bills on time was when this song was number one. Don't tell me you weren't dancing to this. The same year Independence Day topped the box office. Seinfeld and Friends were the top shows on TV. And Dolly the Clone Sheep was born. Well, a lot has changed since then, and not for the better. At least on Capitol Hill. And as Congress debates the debt ceiling and President Biden's Build Back Better plan... We're joined now by Maya McGinnis, president of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Maya, welcome back to Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for having me. I don't know if you were a big fan of the Macarena, and if you were, you don't have to admit it here. But it's not lost on us after we did a little bit of research today. The last time Congress completed all of its spending bills on time was indeed in 1996, a la the Macarena, and passing a budget at all has been a rarity since 1998. So as we celebrate the passage of another continuing resolution here, which should say a lot all on its own, I'll start by asking you, Maya, is this system just broken? What are the implications of not passing a real budget? I mean, I think when you look at how our budgeting process is going, there is no conclusion other than it is absolutely broken. And I don't like to say that because I don't think we should be criticizing Congress all the time and extreme about things. But Mm -hmm. budgeting is the very most central piece of what government does. It's the starting point of laying out the plan for how it's going to use its resources and how it's going to tax us to get those resources. And they skip over that, that very important step pretty much every year. And the sidecar to that is that they are borrowing 
so extensively that our debt right now is the highest it's ever been in this country as a relative, as relative to the overall economy, other than right after World War II. So no budgeting and tons of borrowing. And it clearly is not a thoughtful, strategic or responsible way to run the government. So what do you say to someone, maybe even a lawmaker, who says, well, so what? We're At least we're not increasing funding. Yeah, we're kicking the can, but we're keeping the lights on here and we're not actually adding to budgets. Is that accurate? And what's the downside? Well, okay. so on the continuing resolution, the fact that it doesn't increase the spending, you could say, oh, that's responsible. We're controlling spending. But that's not really the definition of responsible. Responsible is determining what your priorities are. And if they're important enough to do, figuring out how to pay for them and doing so with a strategic lens. What are your objectives? What are your threats? What are your opportunities as a nation? We've done none of that. A CR is just a blunt continuation, basically saying, I'm showing no interest in the details and just keeping things going status quo, despite the fact that the world is obviously changing dramatically at a very fast pace. We also love to kick the debt ceiling as well, with at least that's been the most recent trend. I don't know how this current situation is going to resolve itself, but suspending the debt ceiling is almost another way of providing a continuing resolution to this, correct? How important is it for us to get that done in the next couple of weeks? At the latest that we've heard uh, from the bipartisan policy centers, the Treasury could run out of cash as soon as December 21st, Maya. Yeah, so we're looking at just a couple weeks away, and there's no question that you have to lift the debt ceiling. It's frankly more important because avoiding default is more important than avoiding a government shutdown, both of which shouldn't even be on the table. So absolutely, we need to lift the debt ceiling. We should have done it months ago when it first became that we are hitting the deadline instead of limping along and using these kind of crazy Ponzi schemes where we take money out of one trust fund and use it for another thing, which is how we operate right now. Mm -hmm. The debt ceiling is a reminder that we are borrowing beyond what we agreed to. We are on schedule to borrow $13 trillion over the next decade if we do nothing. That's before any new policies are passed. Nobody should look at our budgetary plan and think that's a good place to be. Well, we could have a number of new policies if the president's social spending plan passes. And as we hear from Senator Kirsten Sinema saying that it won't likely pass until after Christmas, that would suggest to me that she thinks it will pass eventually. I wonder how concerned you are that that bill may not be paid for. Well, I'm very concerned because as the bill is written, it is going to add more to the deficit and potentially trillions more. So right now, there's about $160 billion gap. The president promised to fully pay for the plan, and that's the right promise to make. And, uh, uh, you know, we applaud him for doing that, but we're still short of that. And so they need to put in place either more revenue measures or other spending cuts or scale back the size of the bill. But where the real problem rests is the fact that there are many fake gimmicky expirations in this bill, things that will end after one year, even though the, the proponents of them fully intend for them to last indefinitely, certainly over the 10-year budget window. They can't do that. That's that's playing games with the budget. And if you were going to extend those policies as they plan to, it would actually double the cost so that the entire bill would be about $4.8 trillion, mm-hmm. and about half of that would be borrowed money. So that's talking about trillions more to the debt. That's very unwise. They should drop the gimmicks. They should fully pay for the bill and then debate whether it's something that there is support for or not. The, the final thing I would add is that Doing all this in a front-loaded way that borrows and grows the debt during a period of inflation just potentially adds fuel to that fire. And it's particularly unwise to structure the bill with so much borrowing and front-loaded spending while we're also keeping an eye on this inflation situation. 
Maya, you're consulting uh, with lawmakers on a fairly regular basis. You're certainly in, in contact with them. Do you see this bill passing? Will this become a law? You know, I have no idea. It seems 50-50 to me. Um, I do think that there is, there is, it's a very difficult group to hold together because there's such a small margin. Um, and the willingness to pay for things, which is really important, means there's more things to disagree about. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, when I consult with lawmakers, what I do is I push them to fully pay for things. Hmm. And it's not about big government or small government. It's about not borrowing unless you should for economic hmm. reasons, like during COVID. And that's not a message that they're always that welcome to. I'll say, you must so, feel like you're speaking a different language. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a tough message for them politically, but the point is it does real damage to the economy and our strategic position in the world if we are over-leveraged. We are, and we're becoming more so. So part of the political imperative is to do these things responsibly if we're going to go ahead and do them. She is president of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, Maya McGinnis. It's great to have your insights today. We'd love to talk again when this gets closer to reality. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Always learn something when Maya joins us on Sound On. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm Joe Matthew here in Washington. Do you hear the president today? By the way, there's nobody better to speak about that issue with the God Imagine passing an actual budget. No one better to talk to about it than Rick Davis. He's going to be with us next, Bloomberg Politics contributor. And as we do consider the president's sound today, a lot of people asking about his health. It got to the point where the president's physician had to issue a letter just saying he has a cold and a frog in his throat. We'll talk about it all next with Rick Davis on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. This Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So how many more years will it be before Congress passes an actual budget? Fascinating talk with Maya McGinnis. Are those days simply over? Just too partisan, too dysfunctional to expect anything else at this point? We'll just see our way right to the horizon. We're joined now. Saving the best for last today by Rick. Rick Davis is with us, Bloomberg Politics contributor. As we dice through some of the stories we've been talking about, some of the issues this hour, and a couple of more that I have in store for Rick. Uh, happy Friday, sir. It's great to have you with us here. You spent enough years in the Senate to, I'm, I'm sure, have pretty strong feelings about this. I know Senator McCain, John McCain, used to talk about, get very upset about the lack of hearings, the lack of transparency, the lack of process. So what the heck is this? Another CR that brings us into February... You think we'll be alive next time Congress passes a budget? 
Yeah, Joe, I, I can't tell you how many times I had to hear regular order, regular order. <laughs> uh, John McCain believed that the Senate had rules and, and they should be abided by. And more importantly, that the budgeting process uh, run by these appropriations uh, chairs needed to act on these 12 appropriations bills on That's time. Right. Yes. What's, and what's really interesting is this was a perfect scenario to do that because so many of the priorities, things like infrastructure and 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 uh, and climate uh, uh, change are embedded in these budget bills, and instead, what we have is an extension of the Trump era budget for another four or five months. You know, <laughs> based on his priorities, not Biden's. And so, mm -hmm. this was the year that you really would have thought they would have devoted the time and effort to getting those appropriations bills done. Uh, that being said. Uh, you're right. Uh, they were dancing the Macarena last time that <laughs> happened. So uh, I, I, I kind of side with my McGinnis. I, I don't think we're going to I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for another regular round of budget uh, uh, processes to happen actually on time. Yeah. Well, this just sounds like a couple of wonky guys talking about the old days to some people, though, Rick. What is the actual downside to that? What's the implication? Well, the implication is that um, at some point, uh, taxpayers are going to get tired of having their money. It's not government's money. It's the taxpayer's money. And when, it's a, and when it isn't cared for, at some point, taxpayers revolt about that. <laughs> and, and I think we're getting to the point, especially in this highly charged populist environment we have, where people are going to start looking at this saying, you know, Congress is no longer being a good fiduciary of my right. money. It's not your money, Congress. It's not the government's money. It's, it's our money, the people's money. And the minute they start looking at this process, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be very upset with what they see. And so I would not be surprised that uh, Republicans start using the budget process as a way of saying, hey, look, see, you know, they're not taking care of your funds. Now, they're as guilty as the Democrats are, but it's the last man through that door that gets to uh, that gets stung with this. So I think it could become a pretty serious political issue if uh, if any or the one party uh, decides to make it that way. Boy, not a lot has changed since the sequester. We just keep kicking the can. As we spend time with Rick Davis, I don't know if you heard the president today. As soon as he started talking, Rick, uh, people said, wait a minute, what's what's wrong? His voice was was clearly different than it was yesterday. He sounded sick. He had that kind of deep voice you get, frankly, when you have a cold. And that is what it turns out he has. Now, Rick can talk to us about process in the Senate. You can also talk to us about caring for someone who is in or advising someone, maybe better word to use uh, for someone who is in public service and in the spotlight. And, and you know the role that the important role that health plays uh, when it comes to the leader of the free world. Uh, it got to the point, it was the first question that the president was asked after his speech, and it got to the point where they had to release a letter from his doctor. Let's listen uh, here to the president's reply. I believe it was Peter Ducey from Fox who got the first question in this jobs news conference and said, Mr. President, what's going on with your voice? Here he is. I'm okay. I have a test every day to see a COVID test. I have it checking for all the strains. What I have is a one-and-a-half-year-old grandson who had a cold who likes to kiss his pop. <laughs> and he'd been kissing it my anyway, so uh, but it's just a cold. Look, a lighthearted answer, you got a chuckle. But of course, there have been a lot of questions about the coughing. And look, he's an older man. Obviously, these are issues that people want to know about. And so we got the letter. I'm looking at it right now from Kevin O'Connor, physician to the president, subject President Biden's congestion. And there are bullets here 
The following, it says, released with permission of the patient. As is readily apparent, the doctor wrote, President Biden is experiencing some increased nasal congestion this week. This can be heard in his voice. And he is feeling the colloquially well-known frog in one's throat, it says. Investigation included comprehensive respiratory panel. They checked him for 19 pathogens to include COVID. All these tests, it says, were negative. He's been tested for COVID-19 three times this week. Treatment will include common over-the-counter medications for symptoms. This is an issue that doesn't want to go away for this president, Rick Davis. How important is it? You know, I, I think it's important. I, I, I definitely got the impression he was trying to pull a Marlon Brando doing The Godfather when he started that speech today. <laughs> really uh, it was really quite something. Uh, but, but look, I think, you know, as long as there's transparency, uh, uh, the American public understands that these folks, the president, uh, his cabinet, the vice president, they, they live in a, a, a bubble, right? And yeah. when they get sick, they get sick. And everybody has this experience at home. Uh, I think the only time it runs into trouble is is if the the White House tries to obfuscate what's going on. And I think that's why they got on top of this today and got right out with an explanation by the doctor. Look, I was in the Reagan White House in the second term when he had his cancer surgery and didn't appear in public for almost six months. Yeah, wow. And 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 you couldn't do that today. And that you can't you can't do that. You couldn't do it then and you can't do it <laughs> now. And so I do think transparency is the best way to handle Health and especially, as you point out, with a president who uh, is geriatric and, um, well, but that's and, the thing. and his health is always going to be a topic. I'm assuming you were referring to or maybe I just popped into my head the Trump trip to Walter Reed. Uh, people ask questions when when they're not getting full or they think they're getting complete answers. But this is a 79 year old man. So, yes, we all do get sick from time to time. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know how to be fair about that because he shouldn't be penalized for being an older man. But this is an issue that voters are concerned about. And it always prompts questions, Rick Davis, about a second term. It absolutely will bring up uh, questions about a second term. And it should. Um, uh, we've just had back to back two presidents, Trump and Biden, you know, in their 70s. Um, uh, and, and there are good questions to be raised about the vitality of people that age. Uh, you know, taking on the stress and strain of a presidency. It's yeah. it, We used to talk about how everybody's hair changed from uh, black to <laughs> white right. while they were, you know, or dark to white when they were president. Now it just starts show white. up I white. Mean, <laughs> like, they're lucky to have hair uh, when they leave the presidency. And, 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 and I say that in jest, but like, I, I think there's really going to be uh, a pendulum swing uh, when people start shopping for presidential candidates next time around where they're going to say, you know, look, I mean, I, I don't think we, we want to put another geriatric uh, at the top of the ticket. And no offense. I mean, both men were very vital, uh, are very vital, uh, mm -hmm. even today. But um, when you start looking in your you know middle to, to early 80s into the end of the next administration, you really yeah. got to wonder whether or not they can keep up. Well, that's for sure. Uh, tell us what you expect for next week before we call it a, a week. This week, Rick Davis... Uh, We'd started the program with Congressman Don Beyer, who I thought made a little bit of news saying reconciliation probably won't pass till 2022. But is this debt ceiling going to resolve itself? We've talked about it each day this week. You seem to be of the mind that Mitch McConnell's coming around on something, but I wonder what it looks like. 
Yeah, I think that they're going to find a way to skin the cat on 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 the debt ceiling. Uh, McConnell has been noticeably less bellicose about the debt ceiling right. uh, in the last month than any he was in the preceding six months. So uh, there's definitely some conversations going on. Uh, I think they'll they'll probably find a way to uh, let people uh, uh, sort of uh, spout out their differences, like they did uh, on the budget uh, that uh, the CR that just passed. You know, they let them. Uh, the Republicans wanted to have this uh, amendment on tying uh, uh, the uh, changes in the uh, administration's approach to the mandate. Uh, uh, and so I think there'll be those kinds of tricks uh, that are applied to the debt ceiling and everybody will walk away saying, OK, we've 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 fixed that problem. Now, the, the big question is whether they can get it done next week and, right. and it doesn't bleed into Christmas week. Uh, and that'll that'll be a test of the leadership. Uh, it, this is totally in the hands of Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. And what they come out with, their caucuses will follow. Well, boy, that would be a big deal. The question is, I guess, how much space can they clear? How much time can they buy so they can focus on other things? Uh, but the question also is in what form? Congressman Beyer seemed to think it was reconciliation. There are stories floating today, Rick, that they tie this to the NDAA, which is a whole other issue that they need to get to now. Which do you see as being more likely, defense spending or, or set it set it aside in its own reconciliation bill? Yeah, I'm kind of with uh, Congressman Byer. Honestly, I don't know why they haven't done the reconciliation approach to this months ago. Right? Could have done it, it at any time. At any time. And, yeah. and Republicans are even asking them, please do it under reconciliation. <laughs> right. uh, so so there is a clear and easy path to get this done. Um, and, and as you point out, there are other things that need to happen before Christmas in the NDAA. The National Defense Authorization Act is probably now one of the most important things next to the debt ceiling. You heard it from Rick Davis, Bloomberg Politics contributor. Thank you, Rick, as always. We'll see you back here next week, of course, as you'll be joined again by Jeannie Shansano. I'll meet you in New York on Monday on the fastest hour in politics. This is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.